Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. My name is Aaron O'Dowd and you're listening to Sunseat. On today's show we have Arison Wonderly, where we talk about Walter and Leo Russell, Swahanoa Palace, her journey, where it's taken her, her background in art, and many more. Hello and welcome to the show, Arison. How are you doing today? Thank you. I uh, really appreciate you checking in with me, and it's great to meet you. And I've perused over your website a little bit. looks very interesting. What is your background? Is it art? Is it spirituality techniques? Explain that to us. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a little bit of everything. My formal training was in art. I have an art degree. You know, when you think over your life, you look at what brought you to what you're doing today and who you are today. I would have to say that when I look back, um, back in my college years, basically got seriously ill. And that was what brought me to alternative medicine, holistic medicine, and into my spiritual you know, world. I see. And was it energy? Was it Reiki? Was it meditation? What brought you into this area? Wow, all of the above. Uh, probably went through many, many holistic modalities. Basically, I got kind of officially diagnosed with what's called environmental illness and also chronic fatigue syndrome back in 1987. Basically went through a process of working with a woman back at that time who was in ecology, basically medical ecology, worked at environmentally shifting my environment so that I wasn't around chemicals and the whole chemical aspect of our world. And in the process of doing that, also uh, had met an emotional healer and started working with her. So it was like I was realizing that my spiritual life was starting to take off and that I had to heal at every level to be able to figure out what I was here to do, uh, which really took a long process. So I, I would say I initially got diagnosed by a medical ecologist, went through some chemical testing, got properly diagnosed between 1988 and 1992. It gave me the scope of what I was dealing with which made me realize I had to stay away from the whole allopathic medicine and had to stay away from drugs and basically had to go through a very, you know, natural healing process, which took many years, like I said, a lot of different modalities from massage to supplements, learning applied kinesiology. I had to pretty much check everything that went into my body and went into my environment. So I had to basically get very, very connected to my body. And in the process of that, very connected with my spiritual and emotional world. I would say that, you know, took about 15, 20 years, you know, because in the beginning I had gone through the whole hospital allopathic medicine route and wasn't getting anywhere and just kept 
getting progressively worse. And then was brought to a lot of different healers, and like I said, different modalities, mostly with supplements, massage. I've, I've worked with a spiritual healer in the last 21 years. I've had a lot of teachers and healers that I worked with over the years that always helped me become closer to my spiritual and world that I could kind of look in a holistic way, I believe in other lifetimes. I got into realizing I had a lot of Native American in my background. I went into a whole process of my Cherokee background. I became a clan chief for about five years. Worked with ceremony and worked with the earth many, many years, which all of it, getting in touch with nature was probably one of my biggest healers. Living where I live now, which is in the mountains of Virginia, realized that to me, you know, my environment, when you look at my environment, I need to be out in the country, out in the mountains, or out in nature, just as much as I breathe the air, just as much as, you know, any any other physical thing is required. For me, I had to get out of the city and into nature and be immersed in nature. That was a big, big part of my healing. And was there anybody that stood out to you through your healings over that space of time? Quite a few. The medical ecologist I talk, talk, spoke about, he's still working with clients up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Her and her associate work with chronically ill people all over the world, probably, a lot in our nation and everywhere. And they taught me applied kinesiology so that I could figure out everything that was going to go into my body, everything that was going to go into my environment. So I had to be really, really in touch with myself, and, and that taught me a lot. The main woman without her name is Thea Fournier. She's now a naturopathic doctor out of Boston, Massachusetts, you know, just constantly, constantly working. She has a huge clientele. But she was in Virginia in that period of time when I got diagnosed. And then there was a counselor that still lives nearby who has worked with people all over the place. Her name is Barbara Bradburn. She lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. She was really instrumental in helping me get in touch with my emotional world and healing my dysfunctional family issues from family timeline issues. Those were probably my top two first healers that I worked with trying to think of different modalities I've worked with. One long-distance woman who was out in California, I'm trying to think of that modality, but basically it works long-distance and it, it can check everything going on with your body. It's a, like a $20,000 machine or something. It's not hair analysis, but I can't think of what the modality is actually called. But I worked with that woman for quite a few years until she moved. The biggest issues that in the way in which it hit me were respiratory, muscular was really, really huge, so that's why the massage was a big help to me. If I had not discovered what was causing all of the pain and the issues with my body, I think it would have eventually gone into MS or something, you know, much, much more serious. And I don't know if I'd be walking today if I hadn't figured it all out. And over this period of time, did the art combine with your healing, or was it a side that you didn't do? Your art. Oh, the art. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. You know, I think out of any talent that I was using, more than anything, I think it was the writing and, and how 
I was using writing as uh, a means of healing. There was the first book that I came out with, which was a poetry book, and it was a very, uh, I guess you would say, a spiritual awakening, self-help healing book that was about 10 years in the making, and that was a journey, and that was very autobiographical. I used poetry to basically shift myself express what I needed to express to, you know, go from A to B, to go from day to day. So I would say even more than the art, I think the writing was a huge healer for me. You know, if I ever get the time, I'd love to teach some writing workshops because, yeah, I would say writing outside of nature was one of the, you know, the biggest things that I could do that I could do at home. You know, I still went out, I had therapy, or, you know, I worked with some healers, but after you learn kinesiology, you can pretty much figure out everything that's going to go in your body. You can pretty much figure out every modality that is going to help you, because that's your tool to be able to check what's going to go in your environment, to check what's going to go in your body, to, to check and be a guide for you and being able to further your healing in any way. So that was a huge tool. The kinesiology was huge. And then I think, you know, when I moved out here in the mountains, that was when I was looking into my genealogy, looking into ancestral healing, looking into my own Cherokee background, using ceremony to shift myself, which was another way of working with nature. That's been huge in the last 20 years that I've been out here in the mountains. And can you explain to us what kinesiology is? Applied kinesiology is a muscle checking, basically, that you use to be able to tell what your body is going to be able to handle, what is going to strengthen your body. There's a great book on kinesiology that's been out there for a long time called Your Body Doesn't Lie. And I'm kind of looking in my library here for it, but um, that was one of the first books I read about applied kinesiology, and I highly, highly recommend it. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it, and I can't remember. I think it may have been written by a doctor. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's called Your Body Doesn't Lie. I read that book, and as I said, the medical ecologist, she basically taught me how to do kinesiology, I, at that time, checked everything. I mean, it's a muscle testing that you check with your body that checks everything that you consume, everything that goes into your environment, and you can use it for just about anything. It kind of evolved uh, eventually now, mostly what I do. I still use what's called self-kinesiology. I still use that at times, but if I feel like I'm clear enough, I use a pendulum. The kinesiology kind of evolved into using a pendulum and dousing on everything that I wanted to check. That could be an emotional cause to being sick or a supplement that I need to take, an herb I need to take. You can really check anything. So those are tools I still use today. If the dowsing ends up being a little bit off or something, I can always go back to the kinesiology, and that usually checks pretty well for me. So I've been doing kinesiology probably at least 25 years. How did you discover 
Walter Russell? Was that through the kinesiology or what was it? I would say that I was on a really conscious spiritual journey since about 1984. Started reading a lot of spiritual books. Basically, it was 1985, so I'd been into my spiritual discovery about a year. I was, you know, living in Charlottesville, Virginia at the time, and a friend of mine had told me about Juana Noah. You can Google Juana Noah. There's a lot of information out about it. Uh, basically, it's a local historical palace that uh, I'm about 25 minutes away from, and I work up there now from um, May to October and selling my books. My book on Juana Noah Palace is as, as far as I know, the only historical, exclusive historical book on the place. And it came out in 2013, and we came out with it in honor of the 100-year anniversary of Swananoa Palace. And the reason I'm talking about that, it was the home place for Walter and Leo Russell from 1948 to 1988 when she passed away, but then their even present foundation called the University of Science and Philosophy stayed at Swananoa Palace after she deceased from 1988 to 1998. So essentially they had a presence at Swananoa Palace for 50 years. And so half of my book is written about the Russells. I had the privilege and honor of meeting Leo Russell in 1985 uh, when I had really first got into my own spiritual journey I met her and bought some of their books. He had already passed away in 1963. There are 33 years difference between them. And then I went back up there in 1987, the year before she passed away, talked with her again, bought some more books. And then in, started after she had deceased, their foundation was still up there. And I started going up there and meeting some of the people who had worked with Leo Russell over many, many years studying their books. Basically, these people are like my best friends. This is my spiritual family, the people who used to work up there and knew the Russells. So I became very familiar with their work. I still study their work all the time. There's so much material out there. They were global, illumined beings. They were known all over the world while they lived at Swaminoa. I think their message is timeless. Their foundation uh, website is called the University of Science and Philosophy, but you can look it up on the web at philosophy.org. And I am working very closely with them right now, very good friends with the chairman of the board. They were very, very supportive and excited about my Swananoa book coming out. And as I've gotten deeper into the what we call the Russell work, I have two projects now that will be associated with the Russell work probably in the next four years. Wow. And so those are my main projects I'm working on uh, right now. My third book is a book on Walter Russell. One of the things that's interesting about this book, I'm probably about 45 pages into it, it's a, an ambitious project to seek to compile every art creation he ever made in the time that he lived and he was called the Leonardo da Vinci of the 20th century by Walter Cronkite the day that he passed away. He was very famous in America for many years 
from the turn of the century all the way up until he did pass away in 1963. So just studying both of their lives is an example and an inspiration to see what they accomplished, even though they wanted to accomplish so much more. The fact that they were known all over the world, their books went all over the world, they've been put into different languages. I've met people all over the world who are familiar with their work. My book has already gone to Europe and different places. It's interesting that people that come up to Swananoa Palace, definitely people from all over the nation, sometimes people from Europe and different places, you know, come up there. So my biggest passion and desire is talking about the Russell work, but I also talk about Walter Russell's artwork and also the history of Swananoa Palace. I get tours up at the palace for people when we have open house, and I'm able to sell my books up there. So that's kind of an in-season thing when I work up there from May until October. And in the winter months, I'm usually writing books or speaking, doing speaking engagements and talking about the Russell work. Wow, fantastic. And what does Swahanoa mean? Swahanoa, the actual word, is very interesting, is a Cherokee word. And it means the beautiful trail. Swannanoa Palace was built by a railroad magnate out of Richmond, Virginia, and from 1911 to 1913. And it took about three years to build it. It's completely made out of marble. The exterior marble is from Georgia, USA. The, all of the interior marble is from Italy. It was modeled after the Villa de' Medici in Rome. It's quite something. It's got Tiffany windows and marble floors, and historically it's quite something, you know, just to enter into the walls and and to see the estate. It it is in a process of very, very slow renovation, and this is something that's also a passion of mine, uh, is to create, hopefully, some type of ways and means to renovate Swananoa to bring it completely back to life. still have visitors all the time. It's privately owned right now by a couple in the area and their family. And so it's been a real challenge to try to keep up with it, keeping it maintained and, and doing any kind of renovations. He's got about $3 million in it right now. Kind of a Downton Abbey kind of example. And one of my projects that I'm seeking to do is to find some funds and patronage to basically write a screenplay on the Russell's lives. And in the process of doing that, because they spent their last years at Swannanoa, I hope to somehow, by doing the film, help to bring back the palace. Amazing. So that's one of my projects. In fact, I think it's in the last week I've been processing the whole idea of it. It's looking like it's probably going to take priority right now. I've still been working on the Walter Russell book, but I think this screenplay, be able to do, and how I see it is basically a mini-series, because their lives were so long and so rich, that to be able to properly show their lives and end up at Swannanoa Palace is going to take at least a mini-series. What was it like meeting Leo Russell? You know, I, I think what hit me the biggest when I met her You know, when you're growing up and you're changing and you're spiritually seeking and really being on that journey, I think when I met her, what hit me the most was that 
she talks about all the things that really matter, the things in life that you're seeking, whether it's healing or who God is to you, what is important in your life and what wakes up your heart. I think that in meeting her was, you know, I mean, when I met her, she was speaking to a group of people and I did privately meet her, but it's just time when you're surrounded by 20, 30 people and she's trying to talk to everybody, you know, your time is limited to a point. But when she was speaking to the group, that was what hit me the most is that she was talking about the things that mattered in life, your emotional growth, uh, your spiritual life. One of the terms that I love that she termed, I think, was a living philosophy. And they sought to live their philosophy all of their lives before they merged and met. And then when they did meet, they realized that they were meant for each other. It's a tremendous love story. And also that they had waited all their lives for each other. And the age difference didn't matter to either one of them. I don't think Walter Russell knew that he was waiting for her, but I think Leo Russell knew that she was waiting for him. He was really kind of a workaholic when she met him, and I think she woke him up. I think she awakened within him his desire to be with one significant other. He'd already been married once. He was still married when they met, but he and his former wife were basically estranged and had been estranged for quite a while. It's a tremendous love story. It's a spiritual journey. They were both enlightened children. They both had a rich spiritual life, even as children. And this is part of what I want to write about and show in a film, is where they came from and why and how their lives merged in 1946. And then how they ended up at Swananoa, you know, 25 minutes from where I live. An amazing journey, and and Walter Russell knew about Swananoa way before way before Leo Russell had ever heard about it, and she only heard about it through him. But he had written a prospectus in 1937 that he wanted to create an institute for the arts. That was basically what he wanted to create, and he wrote up this whole prospectus for this institute in 1937, which was way before he met Leo Russell. And when he met her, she was known as Daisy Stebbing. And she had come from Europe, she was British, and she hadn't lived in America that long. They spoke and realized that they want, both wanted to create an institute. And that's what Swananoa became. It became the University of Science and Philosophy up there. And like I said, they moved out in 1998, however, what they accomplished while they were up there, which was a home study course as a university, and the university still exists today, and people can buy their home study course still. To me, it was the marriage of science and philosophy, which every spirituality has sort of stayed away from forever. But Walter Russell was able to explain and describe through channeling in his illuminations at different times how science could basically describe, you know, their whole philosophy and, and their spirituality. And which, which to me, I'd studied a lot of philosophies and spiritualities before I ever read theirs. And, and they had studied a lot of different religions and done their homework. But because Walter Russell became illuminated through basically having science 
channeled through him. He had no scientific training whatsoever. And in 1921, had a 39-day, 39-night elimination. And the scientific knowledge came through him. And this has come out in all of his numerous books and the books that they have written together. Basically, brought a new message into the world that combined science and philosophy. And I don't know any other spirituality that really does that. Is there any quote from Walter Russell that stands out in your mind? My favorite quote of Walter Russell's is, the foundation of the universe is love, balance, and unity. That is my favorite quote. There's another one that's very well known uh, by Walter Russell, let me get it right. Mediocrity is self-inflicted. Genius is self-bestowed. What do you mean by that when you when you hear that or read that? In other words, he believed in the genius of every person. And you can find your genius through the creator. And that's what he exemplified in his life. Basically, from a very young age, at least at the age of seven, if not before, he basically started, his illumination started at seven. He was a master of all the five fine arts, and it started with music. He played by ear. He was basically a musical prodigy. And then, you know, it went into art. He entered art school at age 16 with a fourth grade education. So he believed in that every person had the genius within themselves, but they had to believe that they could attain that genius through the connection with the Creator. So when he says mediocrity is self-inflicted, it means that basically if you don't believe in your own genius, then you're self-inflicting your own mediocrity. And genius is self-bestowed, which is basically if you believe that you can know anything. And that's really what he's talking about with genius. He believed that he could have the knowledge of anything he desired through working with the Creator. So that's the meaning of genius is self-bestowed. And did you find that through your own work, or are you still discovering it? I am still, I'm still discovering, but I, I have done, like Walter Russell, I've done a little bit of everything. You know, I started out in art. I also have worked as a health consultant. I've had a graphics business. I designed ships for four years. I've done a little bit of everything. And within that search was always searching for my life purpose and really felt that I had hit it. When I got more, you know, certainly met Leo Russell, then meeting all the Swannanoa people, the people who had worked up there, who had known the Russells, or known Mrs. Russell very well, you got more and more exposed to all of their work, and it, it just, everything intrigued me, and then became sort of a history buff, so that now I can actually give historical tours of the palace, and certainly had to become an expert on the history of it to be able to write the book, which is basically a 300 pictorial historical book on the Russells and Swannanoa Palace and who built it and the, you know, basically the people who lived up there. So I think our lives are self-discoveries seeking to remember what we know. And I think that was what Walter Russell was trying to teach, that 
We already know it. We just need to remember that we know it. And if we seek it, whatever we want to know or want to do. Walter Russell was a sculptor. He was a scientist. He was an architect. He was an illustrator. He, he knew all about healing the body. He actually, when he was 14, he died and came back. And he was conscious of how he brought himself back. And right now, that's part of what I'm studying a little bit more in detail is how he knew how he could bring himself back because he had not accomplished his life purpose. And that was why he brought himself back at 14. He almost died of black diphtheria. Well, he did die. He did die. He was declared dead by three doctors in The Undertaker. And then he was conscious, you know, still in his body that he said, I have not fulfilled my life purpose. And he came back into that body. So his life is an inspiration to me daily of what is possible and i'm still seeking at times to heal my own physical body and that's why i'm looking into more of what he wrote about with his self-healing but at the same time i'm still 75 percent better than i was 30 years ago so it, it has been a journey for me to look in all the different modalities and to eventually discover what I feel is my life purpose, which is bringing back their message. And basically, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, we can study a thousand different spiritualities, and I think it, in a way, it all always brings us back to a one path of a one creator and being able to accept everyone with their beliefs. So, I mean, this is just what has spoken to me, is their work, and I've never run across spirituality that will have the ability to be explained scientifically. I bet that is very interesting to me, although what appeals to be more about Walter Russell himself and Leo Russell, I mean, I know that you, you know, at times helped and assisted other people to heal long distance. She had her own rich, rich spiritual life that had to match his for them to come together. I've studied her a lot, you know, I've dreamed about them both. I know I've known them before in other lifetimes. And it has brought me towards an ability to understand my own life and to be able to share a message with the world and the genius in every person and realizing that the only way we're going to make it into the future is through balance and unity and love you one another which was you know a huge teaching that they had that was certainly bringing back to life Jesus' message basically you know their lives culminated at Swannanoa and I don't think it's any accident that you know I grew up here in this area and grew up within 15 miles of Swannanoa all my life it was only in the last 20-30 years that I realized that you know there's a huge energy vortex quite a few vortexes up there and it and it's people have driven across that mountain and driven up to Swannanoa and didn't even know that it existed I mean people have been brought there from all over the world because of the energy of the place and the earth upon which the palace stands and I don't believe it was any accident that the Russells were brought there and lived out you know the lifetime their most recent lifetimes there in that area um, because of its energy. I see, and you mentioned genius. What is your own interpretation of genius? 
I think to me, genius is believing in your ability to know. And your ability to know anything, you know, basically what I believe is what Walter believed, and that was that to be able to know anything, you will be successful through knowing your creator. So having a personal relationship with the creator is kind of the path to your own genius. Now, I think genius is finding out what you're interested in and what fascinates you. And I think genius is the Renaissance person, you know. You, you may spend one lifetime and discover three or four different things that you absolutely love to do. I don't know if it's ever going to be one thing that a person does in one lifetime, and certainly Walter Russell was an example of that. You know, they, they say, you know, he lived like five or six lifetimes in one lifetime because he became a master at so many different talents and things that he knew. I don't think you have to have a degree. I don't think you have to go to college. I think basically you just search for that relationship with your creator. And I think that's when all the doors will start opening. And with that term, have you realized that yourself? I think it's a process. I don't think it's, you know, kind of a done deal. I think realizing, you know, for me to seek the genius within myself, I think it's realizing that so many different doors and talents can open up. You know, I mean, I've been an artist all my life. But what gives me passion right now is basically speaking the spiritual world, speaking about holistic medicine, speaking what brings us a balanced health within ourselves in all aspects. That is what basically charges my body, charges my life with a purpose, is to, is to share the word that we are all one no matter where we live on this earth. You know, there are many paths to the Creator, and I think we just need to honor each other. I think I'll be seeking my own genius, you know, maybe for many lives. Certainly, I feel like I have done a lot of different things this lifetime, but it may just be a tip of what I'm still going to discover. That, you know, I think everybody has hidden talents within themselves, and they just need to be conscious and ask for the doors to open with whatever they're interested in and what gives them life within their body. As a creative person, do you understand the creator? I think that's an ongoing process too. I, I feel like, you know, I, I actually had an enlightened or an illuminating experience myself in 1991. I would say that was my most intimate experience with the creator. And in, in that period of time, as I experienced what you could call the rapture or the illumination, how I felt it and how I experienced it was that the mother, father, God, you know, the mother was the all-encompassing love and the father was the light or basically the knowledge. So to me, it's the balance of those two essences the love and the light, and that, that, that is the male-female, and that was how I experienced God or how I experienced the Creator. 
And from that experience, I knew that I would never be afraid to pass on into the next life. I'm really trying to get the word death out of my vocabulary because uh, I don't believe in death, and the Russells didn't believe in death. They actually, when they passed on, they called it a refolding of energy. So basically, they declared that they refolded into the next life and that, you know, the, the physical body may change form or whatever, but the essence in your soul and your spirit can never die. So basically, you're just changing form. As I experienced that illumination myself of what God was and what the Creator was within me, I, I felt like I lost the fear of death, lost the fear of wherever I was going. To me, I was, for whatever reasons in this lifetime for me, I am seeking to become alive in my physical body. And that's what this particular lifetime has been about for me. By bringing the Creator and the force of love and light within myself, I am healing my body and striving for balance and what Walter called rhythmic balance interchange with all people and with all things. And when we can strive for that, then, you know, I think we are living a living philosophy. I think we're, we're living what we're really seeking to find. I think we're all looking for enlightenment and we're all looking, we're seeing the mirror of that other person within ourselves. I think the only journey is a self-journey and that's to love ourselves. I think that in itself is also the greatest challenge that we have. And what the Russells were also teaching was that every person was, was each, each other person. In other words, if we were looking at another person, that was the mirror to ourselves. And if we were helping that other person, we were helping our, ourselves. So basically, we were seeking to have that rhythmic balance interchange with all people and all things and all of life and all of nature. Seeks to have a rhythmic balance interchange. And so I seek to have a rhythmic, balanced interchange with my Creator. And I think we are constantly co-creating our lives, constantly co-creating the manifestation that we're striving for in our lives to basically live our life purpose. So I have done so many different things that, you know, I don't think I can say there's one big answer to any one thing. I think it's all a process of self-discovery and a process of becoming unified with each other, realizing that we, we are each other and that, you know, however we're looking at the world and however we're looking at other people is how we're living our lives and vice versa. The world is a mirror. You know, I think everyone's challenge is to realize what that other person provides as a mirror to ourselves, realize that whatever we're manifesting in the world is a mirror to ourselves and our belief system. And so we are what we believe, we are what we think. I think when we can seek to be conscious every second, every minute, and you know, I'm not saying I'm successful at that, I think that's each person's biggest challenge is seeking to be conscious every minute to what we're creating with our thoughts and, and our belief system and how we treat other people and how we treat ourselves you know uh, that journey to self-love is always how we treat ourselves is also how we treat other people sometimes 
in my life, I treated other people better than I treated myself. And that was my challenge, which was more of a mirror to self-love. You know, we're, we're all seeking to balance that out, I think. Walter Russell always said that the, the biggest word, the most important word in the world was balance. And then if you had to describe that most important concept in more than one word, it would be rhythmic balance. And if you had to describe it in three words, it was rhythmic balanced interchange. And that was one of the largest things he ever discovered and ever taught. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Is there one piece of information that you'd like to give to the audience? Well, probably what I just said was probably, I think, one of the most important things that I probably learned from the Russells. And, you know, the other thing that they exemplified was to love you one another. And... So I think that whole co-creative essence, that we are co-creators of our lives every second. So I think that if we can look uh, at ourselves and know that we are responsible for the mirrors of our lives, I think that is the most important thing, that whatever we're putting out to the universe, whatever we're putting out to ourselves, that is what is going to manifest. And I think one of the greatest challenges is taking responsibility for one's life and know that every second there's a choice of, of what we're thinking about, how positive we're being, what we're seeking to love one another and be unified and be an example that we know that we are each other and be an example of the love and the unity that needs to happen in this world for the world to change. And so I think it's seeking to live an example and a living philosophy of our lives. So I think that's what I'd mostly like to share. Um, that's magnificent. Um, where can we find you and your work? I certainly am happy to share my email. I don't have a website per se at this point. My book is being sold within the University of Science and Philosophy. So I would say the best way to reach me is through my telephone number and my email to find out what I'm working on right now. I think my highest priority is going to probably be starting the screenplay on the Russell's Lodge, which will be, will be called The Lights of Swananoa. Basically, how they became the Lights of Swananoa, showing their light to the world. Yes, if there's anybody interested in the Russell work, definitely contact me through my telephone or uh, through my email. And my book can be purchased through the University of Science and Philosophy, which is at the website philosophy.org. That's fantastic. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming onto the show and sharing your stories, your knowledge, your experiences, and everything else that comes with this talk. Thank you, Aaron, for your interest. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansit Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.